Thanks for listening to Summit PA Sermon Audio, weekly teaching from the Summit Church in Indiana, Pennsylvania. SummitPA.church, every life made different. So today we are starting a series on the Holy Spirit. And if you are new to Summit Church or maybe, um, maybe you're new to church in general, maybe you're new to God, and that's great. If you're here today and maybe you're not even a, a follower of Jesus uh, you're just kind of testing this thing out. That's great. I'm so glad you're here and worshiping with us today. But uh, if you've been here for a little bit, back in October, we did a series on the Holy Spirit. And that was kind of like the Holy Spirit 101. It was kind of the, the ground level basics. And I would encourage you, if you've got questions about the Holy Spirit, go back and listen to that. You can find it on our uh, sermon archive on our website. And uh, we spent four or five weeks on the Holy Spirit then and just really went through um, the gifts of the Spirit and who He is and things like that. Uh, so we covered a lot. So we're going to cover a little bit of that today. But really what we wanted to do in this series is go a little bit deeper. Um, help expose us a little more to who the Holy Spirit is and what He's really all about. Um, and so that's what we're going to be doing. And during the course of this series, if you have a question about the Holy Spirit that maybe you're a little uncomfortable asking, um, email us. Let us know about your question. You can email me directly from the website. Let us know what your question is, and we'll do our best to answer those questions during the course of this series over the next few weeks. Uh, today, our primary text is going to be found in Acts chapter 2, but we're actually going to begin in Acts chapter 1. Um, and so we're going to begin there in Acts chapter 1, verse 6. And what's going on here, just to set the scene, is that Jesus has uh, been crucified, raised from the dead, and he has spent uh, his time on earth uh, with the disciples uh, post-resurrection, and now it's time for him to be taken into heaven. And so it says in verse 6, When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? So what they're asking is, basically, we think it's important for you to overthrow the Romans, and do that. And that's what they still had in mind. And Jesus was trying to help them understand, I've got a much bigger agenda than just overthrowing the Romans. You've got short sight. And Jesus had a much bigger plan. And he said to them, it's not for you to know the time or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. Now listen to this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. And I'm going to stop there for a second. One thing I want to point out to you, you might be here today and you maybe have not heard that much about the Holy Spirit, or maybe what you have heard has been like a caricature of what the Holy Spirit is and who he is, but what you have to understand is um, what Jesus gave instructions about the Holy Spirit here, he didn't say, and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and it's going to make you act really weird, or the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and he's going to embarrass you so much. It's going to be hilarious. Like, that's not what Jesus said. What Jesus said is, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power. And, and with that power, here's what you do with it. You're going to be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And so in our context today, it would be like him saying, hey, Summit Church, you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. When you do, you're going to be my witnesses in Indiana and in Indiana County and western Pennsylvania and to the ends of the earth. And that's what the Holy Spirit is really all about. The Holy Spirit's primary purpose is to bring glory to God. Um, the Holy Spirit's primary purpose is not to make me feel good. It's not to give me goosebumps during worship. It's not to, to show off the kind of gifts of the Spirit that I have. None of those things are the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's primary purpose is to bring glory to God. And the, the way he does that is by edifying the body. So the gifts of the Spirit are for the building up of the body and for the drawing of unbelievers. And so if the gifts of the Spirit are at work in a church and those two things aren't happening, it's probably not the gifts of the Spirit. 
I figured you'd be excited. Um, verse 9 says this. And when he said these things, still talking about Jesus, as they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of sight. So what happened is in that moment, these were his last words, okay? His last words were, when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you're going to receive power and you'll be my witnesses, right? The last words are pretty powerful, pretty important. Um, if I was on my deathbed, if I was moments away from death and my girls were gathered around me and, and probably... Probably Kim won't be there because I'll outlive her by a long shot, I would imagine, because I'm so much healthier than her. <laughs> it's my girls and, and their kids and maybe my great-grandkids are all gathered around because I'm going to live to be an old man. And, and, and they're leaning in close and I'm my dying breath. I'm probably not going to say something like, I wish I'd eaten more cheesecake. <sighs> like That's probably not going to be it, is it? You want your last words to be powerful. You want your last words to mean something. Never forget how much I love you, right? Um, you've got all kinds of things you would say at that moment, but they wouldn't be cheesecake. It, wouldn't be, it would be something of weight and importance, something that matters. And what Jesus is saying here in this last moment before he ascends into heaven is, hey, this is really important. What I'm telling you has weight and it has value, so don't take it flippantly. You fast forward down to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, and it says, um, and prior to this, Jesus had given instruction, and he said, hey, you remember where we had the Last Supper? You need to go back and wait there for the Holy Spirit to come, right? And so we fast forward, and it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And so Jesus had given them instructions, go wait in the upper room where we received the Last Supper, and we commemorated that Last Supper today with communion. And so Jesus said, go back there and wait. And so they go and wait. And they don't even know how long they're waiting. They're just waiting. Have you ever waited for something and you weren't sure how long you were going to have to wait for it? It's agonizing, isn't it? Maybe it's test results from the doctor. Maybe, maybe you've got a pregnancy that you're not sure about and you're waiting to hear back. Maybe it's something as simple as a, as a job interview. You interview for the job and the, the guy, the employer says, hey, I'll call you soon. You say, okay, great. And you leave and you think, I wonder what soon means. Maybe that's this evening. He'll call tonight. He's going to call tonight, right? Maybe soon's a week. Maybe it's four weeks. I don't know what soon means, right? So Jesus says, go and wait for the Holy Spirit. So they just show up in the upper room and they're waiting. And they're waiting. And they're waiting. And what we see according to the Jewish calendar is they waited about 10 days. And the day of Pentecost arrives. And Pentecost was a really important day for Jewish people for a few reasons. It was a, a Jewish feast that was held 50 days after Passover. So 50 days after Passover is when Pentecost happened. And Pentecost was a feast that celebrated the first fruit of the grain harvest. So they would celebrate this big day, um, and people would come from all over the known world at the time because Pentecost was... Uh, on the calendar, it was just a good time to travel. The weather was perfect, and so people could come to Jerusalem from all over the known world. So literally, they had people coming from Africa, from all parts of Asia, coming to Jerusalem to worship for this festival. Um, so it was one of the highest attended of all the Jewish festivals. In fact, one of the commentators I wrote, uh, or read said that it was a cosmopolitan event because there was such diversity of people that would show up. Um, so people that were very wealthy and well-off, people that were very common. They all came to this event. Now, 
even back in this time, there were capitalists. And so if lots of people were going somewhere, you have to believe that somebody was going to make some money off of it. So people, vendors, and, and people that just wanted to capitalize on all these people would show up as well. So it's, it's not unreasonable to believe that a quarter of a million people were in Jerusalem for this festival, uh, for Pentecost. Um, today, when we think of Pentecost, it has all kinds of connotations, but for Jewish people, Pentecost was a big deal because it had to do with the grain harvest. But it also signifies for Jewish people uh, the day that the law was given to Israel. And so for us, sometimes we're resistant to the law, but for people from Israel, for Jewish people, they embrace the law. They love it. In fact, sometimes they call the day of Pentecost or the, the Feast of Pentecost Shimchef Torah, which means joy of the law. Now, I don't know about you, there's not very many times I've thought about it, it's joy of the law. Have, have you ever done the stupid thing whenever you get pulled over? You know, you've been speeding and you get pulled over. None of you have ever sped before. I have, but I got pulled over and maybe you've done the stupid thing where the officer says, here's your ticket, you know, you're being fined, have a good day. You say, thank you, officer. I'm like, stupid, why am I thanking him? Like, thank you for giving me this ticket and thank you that I was stupid enough to be driving fast. Like, thank you for that. There's no joy in that, is there? But Jewish people, they look at this and they, there's joy in the law because they look at it as an opportunity to grow when the law reveals something about who we are. So the day of Pentecost was a big deal for the people of Israel for a number of reasons. And we look at this word here, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And there's several words used in the book of Acts, the Greek words for together. Um, and some of them, some of them just mean what you would exactly think, that they were together. Like you are sitting together with some people on a row at church today. Uh, you just happen to be occupying the same space as someone else. That's what together can mean. But when we look at it in the context in this passage, uh, the word here means something very different. And it's a word that I've talked about some in the past. It's a Greek word, and it's homothumadon. And this word means same fire or same passion. And so what it means is these group of people were gathered together in the upper room, and tradition tells us that about 500 people were given instruction by Jesus to go to the upper room, and there were about 120 in the upper room, so that tells you something about obedience there, uh, that 120 people were waiting on what Jesus told them to wait on, and they were praying and they were seeking. But what we know about this group is they were very diverse. They were a bunch of very different people. You had people from uh, higher class that were wealthier. You had people that were lower class. You had people that were um, marginalized by society. So you had all kinds of different people in this room, but it says that they were all together. They had this homothumadon. They were one spirit or one fire or one passion. And what this says is they had laid aside everything else that didn't matter to say, you know what does matter is Jesus called us to be here. Jesus asked us to wait on something. We're going to wait on it. We're going to be here and get everything that Jesus has got for us. And I love this picture of the church because I feel like that can be us today. That we can come in this place and go, hey, we're very different. They're the different personalities, different backgrounds. But you know what brings us together is we can all be passionate about Jesus. We can say, hey, yes, we, you and I are different. Maybe we have different beliefs. Maybe we have different uh, styles. But today we can lay all that down because we've got something in common. We've got a, a same passion or a same fire or the same spirit. And, and the picture is this, that uh, we all know that godly people love the Pittsburgh Steelers, right? Like, is there any question about that? Um, but... But this is what you have to understand. If you've ever been to Heinz Field, you go to Heinz Field, and, and it's a melting pot. There's so many different kinds of people that go to a football game at Heinz Field. And you get all these people there, and they're all wearing gold and black for the most part. And they all show up, and they're at this game, and they're very different. But the moment, the moment 
the Steelers score, everybody erupts. They celebrate. You got men that don't even know each other high-fiving, they're hugging, they're celebrating. Why? Because in that moment, there's homothumadon. There's one spirit, one passion, one fire. Does that make sense? And it makes all the difference. And so what we see here is on the day of Pentecost, it arrived, and these people, they were very different, but man, they were excited about what Jesus wanted to do. They were expecting God to do something great. This word homothumadon, it's a compound word, and if you take them apart and just... Um, interpret them literally, it means to rush along in unison. And I think this is what God wants us to do. He wants us to be in such unity that we can rush along together, that he can do something great in our midst. Um, I think God wants to accelerate his glory and the expansion of his kingdom on planet earth. And the way that happens is homothumadon, is when we are united with one passion and one spirit and one fire. In verse 2 it says, And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began speaking in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So let me paint this picture for you. They're waiting in this room, and they've been waiting for days now. And all of a sudden, in this moment, bam! There's this noise, and it sounds like a wind. And there's implications here that it's similar to what we see in Genesis, where God breathed life into Adam, or when the, the spirit hovered, the, this wind hovered over the depths. Um, so the same breath of God, it kind of blows through this area. It's this sound that comes through. And then this fire, what it was is a small open flame, seems to be sitting on these people's heads. Now, fire indicates all that can represent many things, but it represents power and authority, specifically the Holy Spirit. So, what we see in this moment is that the Holy Spirit descends on this group of believers in this upper room. Now, the weird thing is that doesn't necessarily freak us out, but the next part freaks a lot of people out when it goes, Whoa, 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 they begin speaking in other tongues? That's just weird, Mel. I don't get it, I don't understand it, that's weird. And I understand that. From the outside looking in, it makes a lot of sense. Um, but we immediately go, I'm dismissing the way God would do something because I don't understand it. And, and that's problematic. And I just want to challenge you a little bit. When we see, and I talked about this back in October, we'll, we'll touch on it more throughout the rest of the series. But what we see when Paul talks about the gifts of the Spirit in Corinthians, one of the things he talks about is the gift of an unknown tongue or an unknown language. And so what it means, basically, is that one of the gifts of the Spirit is that someone speaks with an unknown language. And now when Paul describes this, he always does that in the context of if there is a message in an unknown language, it has to be interpreted. Because a message that's not interpreted doesn't help anybody. And the purpose of the gifts of the Spirit are to glorify God by drawing unbelievers and by edifying the body or building up the body. So if somebody just if I was preaching this message in Spanish today, most of you wouldn't get a thing. You'd walk out going, I don't know what he's talking about. It wouldn't help. And so what Paul says is if there's a message in an unknown language, it's got to be interpreted so that people can understand it. So that's the gift of, that's the public gift of the Spirit. Now I'll tell you this. When the baptism of the Holy Spirit happens, I believe that you are given a prayer language, that you're able to pray. And this is a personal gift. This is just for me uh, or, or for you. It's not for the public use. It is just private. And so what this is, is, is 
honestly, there's times that Scripture tells us that we don't know how to pray. So we pray in groans and utterances, which only the Spirit understands. And that's what this is, where we, we pray, and there's times that I don't know how to pray. Maybe I'm frustrated, or maybe I'm confused, or maybe I'm just going, God, I don't know what to do here. And, and I can pray in the Spirit to myself. And this is not for everyone, because again, it's just between me and the Lord. Um, so, so again, what we have to understand is the public gift is for the glory of God. So when we set aside that it's a little weird or it makes us a little uncomfortable and understand what its purpose is, it makes it a little simpler. So we look at this and go, well, why would they have to speak in an unknown language? Why would they have to do that? I'm glad you asked because it answers it in verse 5. It says, now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under earth and under heaven. Remember when I said earlier that that Pentecost was a feast that people would come from all over the world to, to celebrate. Um, so people were showing up from everywhere, from Asia, Europe, Africa, all over the known world to celebrate and to feast together this, for this festival. Um, so Jesus knew what he was doing when he said, hey, you go wait in the upper room, because he knew Pentecost was going to roll around, and that is the best time to get the message in front of the people. It says, and at, the, at this sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So just so you understand, um, someone from Libya was there, and they hear someone speaking in their own language, and they're like, wait a second, this doesn't make sense. Someone from Europe or from Asia, they were hearing their own dialects speaking to them from Galileans, and it says... And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And what they're saying is, aren't these all just normal people? This is confusing. Like, how do these people know our language? Because they are just normal, common people. They're they're blue-collar. They're working class. They're they're not learned. They're not educators. They're just normal. How do these people know my language, right? There's a parallel here. These normal, average, everyday people were doing something incredible for God. Just like a group of people in Indiana, Pennsylvania is normal, blue-collar, working class, right? If if God could do it then, why couldn't he do it now? Verse 8 says, and how is it, they're, they're continuing this thought, how is it that we hear each of us in our own native language? And then they list all the different languages and all the different people groups, Parthians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, um, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt and parts of Libya belonging to Cyrene and visitors from Rome, both Jews and proselytes, Cretans and Arabians. We hear them telling, our, um, telling in our own tongue the mighty works of God. And they were all perplexed and amazed, saying to one another, what does this mean? And then verse 13 says, but others mocking said, they're filled with new wine. And what they're saying is, those people are all drunk. So these people that have come to Jerusalem for this this feast of Pentecost, they just thought they were showing up for religious activity. And all of a sudden they hear these people that are spilling out of this house and they're preaching the gospel in a language that they understand. They're telling about how good God is in a way that they can receive it and understand. 
And I want to go back to this. This is the primary purpose of the Holy Spirit. The primary purpose of the Holy Spirit is to give glory to God. Now, I love this picture of godly community that we see in the Trinity. Because the Holy Spirit is a part of the Trinity. you got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. They work together in different ways. Now, this is the thing. What God does is he sends Jesus to planet Earth. And if you notice, the only time you hear God speak audibly in Scripture is when he is talking about his son. And he said, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. What he does is he continues to point people to Jesus and how good he is and who he is, that he is God incarnate on planet Earth, right? And then what does Jesus do? Jesus doesn't go, that's right, I am the son of God. Everybody, get over here and worship me, right? Like a Ron Burgundy thing. He's like, come on, no. He doesn't do that. What does he do? He goes, hey, you know what? I'm not good. There's no one good except God the Father. So he's pointing people back to God. He says, you know what? God is good. I'm not, I'm not good. And he says, oh, hey, you know what? I, I'm leaving, but guess what? I'm leaving so I can send somebody even better. It's the Holy Spirit. He, he's coming, and man, he's going to help you. He's going to show you. He's going to remind you all things that I've taught you. Just wait till the Holy Spirit gets here. It's going to be great, right? And then the Holy Spirit shows up, and you know what the Holy Spirit does? He, he directs us to Jesus. He, he points out how good our God is. Um, there's a lady that started attending our church a couple years ago. Well, no, I guess it was about a year ago now. And she, um, she walked in. I was out in the lobby when she came. So she walked in, and the very first day she was here, she walked in with that visitor's look, you know, like the guest look. She had big, her eyes were big. She was looking around. And I just walked up and said, hey, I'm Mel. I haven't met you before. And she said, I know, this is my first time. I said, well, man, it's great to meet you. Um, what brought you to Summit today? She said, I, I don't know. She said, I've been driving by, and I can't explain it. Like, I just felt like I was supposed to come to church here. Like, I, just something was drawing me. I don't even know what it was. I said, well, man, I'm glad you're here. Thank you so much. And have you been going to church somewhere else? She said, yeah. I, you know, I've been part of a Catholic church. And she said, I've never even been in a Protestant church before. Like, oh, wow. And she said, well, what do I do now? I'm like, well, Go in that big room right there. That's where we worship together. And I said, but you, if you want to grab some coffee, you can get coffee. Can I take coffee in there? And I was like, absolutely. What? And so anyway, we had this moment. I introduced her to Kim. And, and that day, that day she responded for salvation. She raised her hand and responded for salvation. And, and she's been a faithful attender getting involved. And since then, her family started attending. Her, her daughters, her son, her husband, they all started attending church. God's doing an amazing thing in their life. It's crazy. And so in October, we did our series on the Holy Spirit. And we talked about this. And she came up to Kim and I after service one day. And she said, I didn't know what it was that was bringing me or drawing me. But now I know it was the Holy Spirit, wasn't it? I said, absolutely. It was the Holy Spirit the whole time. And this is what the Holy Spirit does. He draws us into relationship with Jesus. So he's pointing us back to him, going, no, 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 hey, you got, you've got to know him. You've, you've got to see how incredible he is. You need to be in a relationship with him. The Holy Spirit doesn't condemn us. The Holy Spirit convicts us, and he woos us, and he draws us. That's what the Holy Spirit does. <laughs> Let me pick it up in verse, um, oh, chapter 2. We'll come to chapter 2, verse 37 in just a second. So after they finish this discourse and they say these people have to be drunk, uh, Peter, I love Peter. Um, this is a guy that's very emotional in Scripture. You know, he's one of the disciples. He's a follower of Jesus. But he was the guy that, um, man, he led with his heart. He just 
he was fired up and he would respond. And he was a guy that would get in trouble for saying stupid things and doing stupid things because he was just driven by his emotion. And, and he, was, he was the disciple that when they came to arrest Jesus uh, in the garden, he took out a sword and chopped off a soldier's ear. But the thing is, he, he was a fisherman, he was not a swordsman, and he was trying to ch chop the dude's head in half is what he was trying to do. But he missed and chopped off his ear. It would have been a better story if it had, like, cut his head in half, and then Jesus puts his head back together. That would have been awesome. They wouldn't have even arrested Jesus at that point. They'd be like, yeah, you're good. Just get out. Go. Whatever. You know. So Peter chops off his ear, and Peter, God, Jesus puts his ear back on. And is like, Peter, what are you doing? You know, it's this emotional response. He responded emotionally whenever they asked him, do you, do you know this guy? Jesus, you've been seen with this guy. And his emotions got the best of me. He said, no, 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 I don't even know him. Because he was afraid, right? And in this moment, in Acts, the Holy Spirit has descended on him. He's been baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's got this power and this authority that Jesus was talking about. And so in this moment, when the naysayers are going, no, these people are just drunk. Do you know what this emotional Peter did and said? He, the old Peter would have been like, you take that back. Where's the sword? Come on, I'm cutting somebody's ear off, right? But Peter didn't do that. He said, Hey, everybody, listen. This that you're seeing today is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. This is what he was talking about. What's going on right now is this prophecy being fulfilled. And you know that Jesus that was crucified and killed a while back? Let me tell you about that Jesus. And he begins to preach this message of how beautiful and lovely and, and gracious Jesus is and why he is worthy to be worshiped and praised. And at the end of this message, this short message in verse 37, it says, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. So the people that were listening, they were cut to the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? You got us. We give up. What, what do we do? We're convinced. What, what do we need to do? And this is what the Holy Spirit does He brings us to a place through gentle conviction, through truth and love, to a place of repentance. Verse 38, Peter didn't water it down. I love this. Peter didn't go, well, if you're just nice enough or if you're just sincere enough, this is what he said. He said, and Peter said to them, repent, which means to turn the other direction. So you're heading in one direction and repent means you literally turn in the other direction. So he says, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So what Peter outlines is that this work is Three unique steps. Um, there are some doctrines that say that, um, that when you're saved, that you have, the, you have access to the gifts of the Spirit at that point. And I would say this. Uh, we see here from what Peter says, and we see several times throughout Scripture, that they seem to be unique works. So we are saved, we make a decision for Jesus, and again, I want to reiterate, the only way we do that is because the Holy Spirit is drawing us to Jesus. So the Holy Spirit draws us to Jesus, we're saved, and, and if Jesus is in our heart, guess what? Uh, the Holy Spirit is too, because they're one and the same, they're part of the Trinity, right? So the Holy Spirit is resident with us, but then what happens is there is a baptism in the Spirit where we receive the anointing and the power to live a godly life, to bring God glory, to be bold witnesses for Him, to access the gifts of the Spirit that we're going to be talking about some over the next few weeks. Um, that's what happens. Now, 
again, in Scripture we see that sometimes people are baptized in the Spirit and then they're baptized in water later. That order does not make any difference. Okay? Um, but what we see is there are three unique baptisms. We're baptized in Christ, in our relationship with him, if you can say it like that. We're baptized in water, which is a public declaration of what God is doing in our heart. And then we're baptized in the Spirit. And all these are important. All these are vital. All these are part of us becoming who God wants us to be. And then he, listen to this, what he says. And this is Peter still preaching. He says, for the, this promise, for the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And I love this because this feels a little bit like Summit Church where, uh, man, we love you, we love your kids, and man, we love reaching lost people, people that are far from God. And so when I read this, I just, it gets me excited because that's what the Holy Spirit is all about, helping us reach people, helping us glorify God to people who are here, people that are to come, and, and then people who are far off from God. And this is in verse 40. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them, saying, Save yourselves from this crooked generation. So those who received his word were baptized. So everybody who received it were baptized that day. And it says there were added that day about 3,000 souls. 3,000 people that day said yes to Jesus. They said, we want to make Jesus Lord of our life. We want to follow you and follow Christ. But it didn't just stop there. The church was fundamentally changed too. Listen to this. It says in verse 42, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and the breaking of bread and prayers. Now what they did is they said, hey, we're gonna devote ourselves to learning more about God through the word of God. So we're gonna devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching because we wanna grow in our faith. But it didn't stop there. There was fellowship associated with that. When you're a part of a body in a church, um, when you attend church, if you're open, you're going to be able to build a few relationships here. You're going to be able to talk and share your life and begin to just, just get to know some people in the context of worship. Um, but it doesn't stop there. He, he says this is what happened. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship and to the breaking of bread. So what this means is... They weren't just worshiping together. They just weren't getting together to hear preaching and to sing some songs, but they shared their lives together outside of the church. They said, hey, why don't we get together and have a meal and we can let our kids play and we can really get to know each other. We can really share our hearts together. We can walk through life or journey through life together. And that's what is part of seeing homothumadon happen is sharing our lives together. And the last part is just as important as said, and prayers oh God, thank you for people that will pray for me and brothers and sisters in the Lord that lift me up in prayer. I need that. And you need that. And if you don't have a community of people in your life that are willing to pray for you and believe for you, not just in bad times but in good times, you are missing out. It's important for us to love each other enough not just to say, hey brother, how are you doing brother? I'm good brother, how are you brother? But we can be real and share our lives together. Not just in this building, but outside this building. And not just surface level junk, but we can be real with each other and pray for each other and fight for each other and believe for each other. That's what Peter's heart was for the church. Ultimately, that's what Jesus' heart is for the church. And it said, and awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed, 
All who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. So what was happening is they were so excited for what was going on, this homothumadon, the same fire and passion was going on, and they decided, man, if you got a need, I'm going to sell, I can sell this and bless you and take care of your need. Oh, you can't pay your rent this month? Don't worry, I, I got an ATV I can get rid of. We never ride it. Now I'm going to bless you and I'm going to take care of that for you. How many of you would like to be a part of a church like that? that loved each other enough to do some of those things. That's what we see in the New Testament church. They were generous. Their radical generosity was spawned by their love for each other and their love for God. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received the food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And listen to this, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. So if you are a person that says God doesn't care about numbers, you are wrong. Because Peter counted the numbers, he said 3,000 were saved, and every day more and more people were being saved. Again, this reiterates the purpose of the Holy Spirit. One of the primary purposes of the Holy Spirit is to reveal the glory of God, thereby drawing unbelievers to Jesus. And so, thank you, Ricky, for encouraging me. I'm going to keep preaching. If you guys would encourage me like him, whew, but this is the thing. If more churches would focus on God, show up, let your Holy Spirit move, they would see more people saved. There are churches all across the country who say they love God and want to see the Spirit of God move, but they refuse to let the Holy Spirit move and see people saved. God, help us. Help the church to be a, an organization that we can reach out, that we can be used by your Spirit to see people added to the church day by day by day by day. See, homothumadon is a very real answer to Jesus' own prayer. Jesus prayed a prayer, and he said, Father, make them one as we are one. In the same way that Jesus and God the Father are one, he was praying that over his church. Make them one as we are one. That's homothumadon. That's how the Holy Spirit works in us to build us and bring us together, very different parts. It's almost like an orchestra. Have you ever heard before a band played and they're all doing their different part and they're all doing their thing? They're not in unison. It sounds horrible, right? But then when the conductor gets on stage and begins directing each part and each piece, it creates a beautiful symphony. And that's the picture of what God wants to do in us. He, he wants to direct all of our individual parts. He wants to help us play our part to the maximum effectiveness, but he wants us to do it in unison so it creates something beautiful so that God can be glorified. A couple things I want to just mention to you. The gift of the Spirit is promised to us. If you are a believer, it's promised to you. The gift of the Spirit comes as He wills, not according to our schedules or timelines. Uh, there's no formula associated with that. He comes as He wills. The gift of the Holy Spirit is worth waiting for. They waited 10 days. I can promise you, after the fact, they would have waited even longer if they needed to. We have to see that we don't earn the gift of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here today and you're saved, you're a Christian, but you have a background that's embarrassing. You don't want anybody to know about the stuff you've done. That's okay. You know what? God doesn't care. You're, you're a new creation in him. You are new. We talked about this last week. You are different now because of what he's done in your life. You know, it's interesting. The day of Pentecost, um, in the Old Testament, it was the day that God gave the law to Israel. In the New Testament, it was the day that God gave the Holy Spirit to the church. And today is the day of Pentecost. 
Literally, today is. I gotta be honest with you, I didn't plan it that way. Yesterday as I was studying, yesterday morning I was in my office, and I thought, I wonder when the day of Pentecost is, because it's gotta be during the series at some point. And I looked and I was like, you gotta be kidding me. Today is the day of Pentecost. And just like God started something in Israel on the day of Pentecost, and God started something in the New Testament church on the day of Pentecost, I believe God wants to start something in your life today. God wants to do something new and fresh He wants to bring a power and a fire to your life that you've never experienced before, if you're willing. It's not about what he's trying to get out of you, it's what he's trying to do for you. The Holy Spirit is all about bringing glory to God. It's not about being weird, it's not about doing weird things, it's about bringing glory to God. That's the primary purpose. I don't know about you, but I need all the help bringing glory to God that I can get. God wants to start something new in you today. Are you willing to let him do it? Let's pray. God, we love you so much. We're so grateful for your goodness. We're so grateful that you've given us so much. You gave us your son. You gave us the the Holy Spirit. So God, we're thanking you for that today. We're asking today that you'd open up our hearts and lives. Help us see who you really are and help us to respond. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today and you say, Mel, I'm not really a Christian. I'm not really serving God, but I want to. You know, when you talked about the beauty of Christ, you talked about Peter sharing the goodness of God with these unbelievers, something kind of spoke in me and kind of leapt in my spirit. I just know I need to make Jesus Lord of my life today. I'm not gonna embarrass you or make you come forward. I just wanna pray with you right where you're at. So if you're here today and you say, Mel, I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life, would you be bold enough to just put your hand up real high where I can see it and you can put it right back down? Thanks, over here on my right, a couple hands in the back, one over here, thank you. Thank you over here on my left, praise God. Two hands on my left. Thank you in the back on the left over here. Praise the Lord. Who else? Just a few more seconds to say, pray for me. I wanna make Jesus Lord of my life today. Thank you, sir, I see you over here. Praise God. Praise God. All right. I want every person in this place, whether you raised your hand or not, just to pray this really simple prayer after me. Say this out loud. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. And thank you for paying the price for my sins by dying on the cross. Today, I confess you as Lord and Savior of my life. And I'm asking you to take control, lead me, and help me live a life that brings glory to you. Thank you that I get to make my home in heaven someday. But I'm asking you to help me live my life for you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give God a round of applause today. Thank you, Lord. The Bible tells us if one person responds for salvation that there's a party in heaven. I'm telling you today, we had... Six or eight people respond today. And there is a party in heaven today. And I just want you to know I'm so proud of you. I'm so excited for you. If you made that decision to make Jesus Lord of your life today, uh, there's a couple things you can do. We want to help you grow in your faith. So you can take this card out of the seat back in front of you if you'd like. You can fill this out. On one side it says need prayer. On the other side it says salvation. Fill this out for us and drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today so we can help you take the next step. If you can't get to one of those cards or maybe you're watching online and you'd rather, you can simply take out your mobile device and text the word salvation to the number 555 
888-888. Again, it's salvation, 555-888. When you do that, we're going to respond back to you and help you take the next step in your faith journey. Um, I'm so excited to see what God's doing in your life. Uh, that is the Holy Spirit at work in our church. Now, this is what's going to happen now. Uh, these guys are going to lead us in one more song. We're going to worship together. And while they do, our prayer team is available on either side of the stage. And if you need prayer for any reason, please find one of our prayer team members while we're worshiping together. If you're here today and you'd like to be prayed for, for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, today's your day. You don't have to wait. These guys are equipped and trained to pray with you and help you receive that gift that you're looking for. That's a free gift from God. So if you'd like to do that, please feel free. They're even going to be available immediately following our worship experience if you'd like to come up for prayer. And after we finish singing, I'm going to come right up and we'll be dismissed. So why don't you stand your feet all over the room. We're going to worship together one more time and then I'll come back up and we'll close out.